Hey everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. And I'd like to thank the backers at Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked to join in the support of the show and my weekly cat stories. And um, the Instagram, of course, has daily stories of our adventures. Um, and you also get to have bonuses like uh, listening to the show before other people if you become a backer. So joining me today is my old friend, Eric Grissom. We're going to talk about comics. Hello. Yes. It's, it's, it's been it's, so long. It's I been know. too long. Two years, yeah. I think. It's like every two years we're like weird yeah. cicadas. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That just uh, that burrow up from the ground. It's like, hey, I got a new book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. Thank you for having me back on the show. I, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, I know. I And what you were doing, well, it seems like you do like all kinds of yeah, all, genres. Yes. And then the last time was Gregory's Suicide, which was the other book. Same right. same person when we talk about Goblin. Will and I did Gregory's Suicide for Dark Horse. Totally complete opposite end of the spectrum from from the book we're we're coming out with now called goblin so yeah it was like you know i don't i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that it's like uh, my genres tend to be all over the place it's like you've got animals that i did with claire Connolly, and kids will see planet gigantic or goblin like oh what's that you can't look at that uh there's yeah. <laughs> naked humans uh hanging on meat hooks and that one's about the uh meat industry you don't want to read that one and so it's like you know you gotta you gotta put the things on different sections of the table become sort of quarantined off from from uh little little people yeah i know but i did feel that um that this one resonated a, a lot like with uh the mark mm-hmm. um because it was you know a little forest creature and and um, yeah going, i, I, I definitely yep i definitely have i think a genre of forest <laughs> yeah haunted forest uh aesthetic is runs pretty deep in my bones yes. somebody that uh like a reader of the newsletter that i had wrote in was like you pretty much everything that you're writing has some kind of haunted forest in it so you gotta you gotta really own that space you do, uh, and it, it, whether it's earthly or a fantasy world or the, a different planet, like Planet Gigantic, um, like they, there are these commonalities where, yeah. um, and I felt that reading through Goblin, which is a very long, you know, book. This is an impressive story. Um, it was like 188 pages. Um, and you have it broken up neatly into like 13 chapters or something. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I should know this. I think it's 11 chapters, okay. but around 15 around or so there. pages each. I think, I mean, you could, you could actually be right. And I'm wrong. Cause it, the other thing is like, these books take forever. So it's like, I was like totally different person when I wrote it than now, you know, because we've been done with it. We were done with it last year. Um, but with the way that it works with Dark Horse, because they distribute through Penguin Random House, you sort of have to have everything set up a year in advance. Not to mention the time it takes to draw, like Will, you know, killed himself drawing those 180 something pages because he did all the coloring and the the inking and everything. So it's like such a long period of time uh, to go from start to finish. So when you look back, you're like, who is that that wrote that? What What was that? What was he thinking? Yeah, I 
I was going to ask about the process because um, I had heard anyway, like before Dark Horse uh, Switch distribution, you know, just that that they are a bit slower in in getting stuff out. Uh, maybe that's just the smaller staff or they're just more careful and selective. Um, it's for, from what I, to my knowledge, as far as like that year ramp up, that's pretty standard in the book world versus yeah. sort of the standard comic world. So like, that's just one of the requirements from Penguin Random House, who does the distribution is I guess they want everything done before it's solicited uh, through their channels. Okay. At least that's the way that at least that's to my understanding. It's sort of that's just the way it is. And I and think that's moving that way for for most stuff. I mean, I know the weekly comic book buyers are are hesitant, but I think a lot of it's just moving that way. Yeah, and I think for graphic novels and things like that, it makes sense because you can factor in hopefully some kind of marketing plan or or you know you know it's done. You have all the materials to make whatever assets you need to make and do things on your Amazon page and cut trailers and do all of that kind of prep work for like a you know and it's done. You don't have to worry about you know waiting because a lot of times if you're making. For a visual medium like comics, you know, the thing that really sells it is is the artwork. And if the artwork's not there because you're you're not done, you don't really have it at your disposal to do the pre-order, you know, right. re, you know, where you're trying to get people to to pre-order the book. Yeah, you'd have to be like a pretty famous person to have just, yeah. you know, be able to say, oh, the next, you know, right. Adam, yep. Adam Hughes project or whatever. Yep. And then you end up in that cycle where a lot of the marketing is just for those people that are already established anyway, because it's such a small pool. And if you see a name that you recognize, yeah, you're more than likely going to pre-order it. So it makes sense from a publisher's perspective, you know, who has a limited staff and limited budgets to just sort of push forward the stuff that they know is going to get more eyeballs on it. And is it really going to have a better chance of someone ordering it or pre-ordering it than taking a chance on someone that nobody knows about? Because you're going to you see all this noise and all this ads and all this everything that it's it's going to come and go, you know. So that it's that's sort of the thing. It's like you need to you need to get there uh, to get the things that allow you to get there. So it's sort of like you're kind of walking in circles a bit. Absolutely, yeah. I, I understand publishing is. Um can be frustrating i mean and and it's it's sort of because it all ends up connected in the entertainment world it's like you know you're talking about books and people think oh they're instant hits and it's like you know you wrote that book five years ago and you know you've, right. you're already like working on three other books at the same time yeah and then, um, you know, and then if a movie gets optioned or something, it's like another 10 years later. Right. Yeah. Um, if that perfect storm ever happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so Eric, as as he was saying, the background that he has is with like Planet Gigantic and Dead Horse. And, and you've always managed to team up with the most amazing creators. Um, you know, we mentioned Claire Connolly and, and Will Perkins. But I mean, Phil Sloan, Dave Halverson, yeah. I mean, the work is always impeccable and beautiful. Yeah, I've been really lucky. And I tend to work like once I find someone that, that enjoys working with me and I enjoy working with them, I like to stay with them, you know, because then you learn sort of their sensibilities and their taste and, 
and and they understand w- what you're looking for and you sort of can can find like a, you know a nice mix of the two to to create something wonderful hopefully um but yeah no i've been very lucky i've i've really you know from phil sloan who the first comic i ever did was dead horse which i still feel like i wasn't that long ago but uh <laughs> i think that was like 2009 so I, somehow I've been doing this for for quite some time at this point. Um, you know, he was just someone that that worked at a pizza place next to a video game store that I that I had, and so we just became friends. And it was like, well, you know, thank God I randomly became friends with such a, a brilliant artist. And so that was the first you know first book. And then since then, it's just sort of you know finding finding the right person and and just sort of pushing the boulder up the hill and. And hoping that it doesn't crush you on the way down. Well, the Perkins brothers always have a flair for the weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you've got with with Goblin is it, it's one of those great adventure stories where, um, like I said, every chapter is broken down cleanly. And it's like every chapter is a new task. So you you just keep going along with the hero. And his name's Richt, if I'm pronouncing it right. Yep, yep. And, and um, he's this little goblin boy um, who loses his parents. Who, they're murdered and by a human. So um, we instantly have have this othering um, brought out right away. But the but Will's creations. I don't know how much you even need to. Eat to, need to say in your descriptions to to you know when you when you know who your artist is when it's somebody like Will who is amazing with creatures you know he's like mm-hmm. a, a it got that imagination like a Jim Henson and it, yeah it's it was phenomenal it was, yeah he's he's wonderful it was really great um, Will was like you know had known that I wanted to do this story and for a while I was actually thinking this story was going to be a book book. Um, and not a, not a graphic novel. And he, he, he really took to it, um, and was like, come on, you gotta let me, let me, let me in on this. Um, but we both have similar sensibilities. Like you mentioned Jim Henson, like I love the dark crystal and, uh, you know, never ending story and never ending story is one of his favorite films. So like our head spaces were already sort of linked up with that sort of eight, you know, 80s fantasy, like that whole period of time had a, a you know, very uh, lasting impact on me. You know, like films like Excalibur or Legend, the Ridley Scott film, oh, that was yeah. also a huge, you know, influence on this. And we're sort of in the same thing. So with the scripts, I always try to be a little bit more conversational in the descriptions and stuff. And I could be a pain, um, you know, when I'm looking for something, you know, I'm, I'm sure if Will was on here, he could agree to that. Um but, you know, we, we always find the spot and the original script, like I really was like, oh, the goblin's got to be super ugly, like thinking the legend type goblin. Right. And Will was doing that and trying that, but he can't help but make these creatures that you fall in love with and that are able to emote and you can connect with, which, is, of course, is, is the way to go. Um, so I'm sure if I was drawing it, he probably would have been uglier and not as nice as the uh as the Rick that you're gonna get in this story. Yeah, he's a little bit like uh like the house elves um from Harry Potter, yeah, you know, yeah. like 
And that's the thing. Like some, the, there were differences. Like there was the that one that was like you know creature who was like super creepy and crotchety, and then there was the sweet Dobby. But mm-hmm. you know, so you've got with Rick, you know, he's very innocent and he's trying to move into manhood, if you will. And um, so it's, you know, he's got this very strong and loving relationship with his parents in different ways you know his father's teaching him how to hunt like you need to survive and this is what we do and he like didn't want to kill things he's like okay but this is what we do and it was very it was done with a lot of reverence um and yeah i I think there's something and you mentioned it before about the woods like i am a sort of a uh very introverted person and always find i've always found like a lot of peace um in the woods and it's some that's a place that my dad would take me you know, for years and years, and we would just hike through the woods. And there was always like this magic or this, this feeling that you have there that is sacred, that I was trying to capture. Um, and, and, and contrast that with sort of, you know, the humans and, and the, the, the violence and all of that stuff. So I feel like with this story, and with some other stories, I'm always trying to get back to that moment. Um, you know, and, and and that scene that you're talking about when they're hunting in the beginning, that was definitely trying to to find some of the stuff that I remember too as a kid with with my dad. And and I wanted, you know, nobody really gets along with their parents, especially right. when you're <laughs> at that age. So like there is a lot of love there, but he's also kind of a pain. Like he's not he, you know, he doesn't really listen. He thinks he knows everything. So there's a lot of that going on that accompanies, you know, adolescence anyway. So and I love the idea of this story. You know, you mentioned sort of the the basic plot, and it is, I think, on the outside, a, a revenge story. But it's really more, for me anyway, like a road type travel movie that 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 I like, and about sort of I don't without spoiling anything, finding sort of those things that are maybe more important than the desire to to punish. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 end up finding in the very last few pages a deeper message than. Um, then the choice of revenge. I mean, there's, you know, obviously revenge is a very strong driver in, in storytelling. Um, You know, Peter Parker and Batman and, you know, all of the great legends uh, of storytelling. There's, you know, somebody dies and it's like, oh, we have to get some vengeance. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then and it I, comes I, it comes down to like, well, will they or won't they at the very end, you know? Right. And the thing with that, too, is I so something that's been sort of done many times. Um, and I hope that people like if you're looking at this from the outside, that you do give it a chance and walk through his journey and take his journey with them, because I feel like. I mean, the intent was that it would be a lot more than that. Like, it's really more about the adventure and the experiences and everything, the characters that he meets along the way than that sort of rapper um, that's fairly standard hero tale, you know, stuff. Yeah, the the different characters are so wonderful. I started, like, even making a, a list of them. And just because they're they each brought something else to the table and what what it was was that every different being that Rick encountered 
brought something else different in him. Like he, Mm -hmm. you know, he meets this goddess and I want to talk about her because she's freaking amazing. Um, but he also meets a couple like human women who are pretty, pretty dull and like in the head. Um, and, and he, we get to see, you know, Rick being, being clever the way like kids are clever in that Huckleberry Finn kind of way or whatever. Um, it's like, Hmm, how can we trick these older folks and, uh, really get away? And it's just so cute. And that's where, of course he, he gets, we were, you know, we were going to have to talk about the dog or the wolf. Mm Um, and Richting comes upon this encampment of these two ladies, these sisters, um, sees that the wolf was trapped and they're like dealers of some sort. They're going to like sell, they sell things, they buy things and they sell things. So it's like, oh, he's got to save the dog. And then we, we come into this, this different version of, the story immediately where he's like he's trying to get rid of the dog like no stay no go away go away i don't want you to follow me and then it's like the boy and his dog story right where it's just so cute and relatable it's like and i have a feeling you were that boy with the dog (laughs) going yeah yeah, no i'm definitely a a huge dog uh dog lover so i was like we gotta we gotta put a, a wolf in this and plus there's some like um you know, throw back a little bit to um, like the Legend of Zelda, which I'm a huge fan of, and uh, right. Twilight Princess. You have the, you know, the, the some wolf elements to it, and so all of that I, I I kind of always was drawn to. But I like I like the um you mentioned the two merchants. They were so much fun to write because they're just awful, awful, awful <laughs> people. Um, but how prim and proper they they feel, and I'm sure you can draw a direct line from the Skeksis, yeah, right to those uh, the Skeksis from Dark Crystal, right to those merchants. But they were just so much fun, and I uh, it was like even, they're only in it sort of a chapter, oh well, maybe maybe just a chapter, and uh, that was a ton of fun. Like, and I, some of the lines that I've made them say, I realize they're super dumb, uh, but I was it was making me laugh while I was putting that together. No, no, it was, it, it, it was fun. It was funny. Um, you know, it's like in Hocus Pocus, it's like mm-hmm. you have these, the, the witches are hideous at first. And so you have these hideous witches, you know, trapping children. And so in this case, they'll just like, you know, they'll trap anything and it wasn't for boiling them into spells or, or whatever, but it was, right. you know, to, to sell them on. Um, but it was still that same kind of thing. Like, how can we outsmart them and get out of this situation? Um, while the sisters, like you said, they just they think that they're of a particular class, mm-hmm. and yes. they're yeah, they're 100%. hilarious, hilarious. 100%. And then, yeah, and then we get to uh, you know the fish breath, which was you know he he needed Rick. That's that's the the wolf pup, a companion, and like because you know I I didn't want to have him wandering this whole place alone so there needed to be you know someone to uh, you know to talk to and just not to be you know because it's about even though he is on his on his own you never really are there's always there's always going to be something that you can find or someone you can find uh, to get you through all of it yeah and in this case 
it's the wolf's choice to be the companion as opposed to something that needed to be tamed. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wasn't forced to be domesticated. He was just like, you saved me. I'm with you now. Like you're my person. You know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> And that, you know, we were talking about rescuing animals and how they react differently. Sometimes they're just like, whoa, you're the greatest. And uh, like my friend Natalie, she has a cat, Ron Swanson. Um, (laughs) And the cat was named Ron Swanson by the shelter because every time they tried to adopt this cat out, people brought it back. So this cat had been like in and out of like four different homes because like he didn't warm up to anybody. And it was so it just seemed like the weirdest thing. So Natalie met this cat and she's like, well, I have to take him then. Um, oh, and I'm so happy that that ended on a and, positive and he's, note. Yeah, he's a total love bug, an absolute like snuggly love bug. And it, it's just the, the cat had to find their their person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you know, you've encountered all kinds of animals that were in need of rescue yeah we're here. So, we're- yeah we have two dogs and a cat um and we, we were talking before we started recording our cat came from some uh, person was hoarding cats and when hurricane sandy hit god when i don't even remember when that was was that like uh, 2008 or something i or? don't even know the i year. don't even know i can't even remember <laughs> It was a lifetime ago, um, but they just abandoned all the cats. So we were able to get this very cool Murray is our cat, or, uh, little Murray Sparkles, as my kids named him. I wanted to name him Ghostface Kitty, but I lost the, uh, <laughs> but he's all white. He's got like uh, two different color eyes. So he's a very cool, very cool little fella. Uh, and yeah. And then two dogs. And, we, and I think by the time that I was writing Goblin, uh, I, I we had just gotten Lola, our dog, um, who's like a hound mixed with a black lab, and she's completely nuts. Um, so she had she definitely had some effect, I think, on that character. Yeah, and the the hoarding situation. I follow a, a few shelters on Instagram, like Clifton Cats and Catsbury Park. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're pretty big here in Jersey. So when they, they've been, one of them recently came across a hoarding situation and it's just devastating when you're talking like pulling 40 cats out of a disastrous situation. And some of them are so feral, like they don't want to be handled, but they're used to food Mm -hmm. sources. Um, And that's, you know, it takes all kinds of, patience and stuff but you know they sometimes they get them into the crates and they're just terrified and then other ones are just like hey what's this like like food and a warm place to be this is amazing (laughs) humans are the worst yeah we We totally are yeah we totally are and that's something actually that kind of comes across in goblin um humans are without a doubt the bad guy in in the story yeah um and 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 and, and i would say like not complete like there are some cute again i don't want to spoil anything because there's things but there it's not so black and white hey humans are all terrible uh because he does i think a lot of what goblin 
was sort of does or at least tries to do is about what you think some someone is like based on their appearance or or, or where they are does not match uh, who who they really are. Uh, so there's there are some human characters that are kind, but to your point, yes, for the most part, uh, the humans are 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 the bad the baddies. Right. So that's um, when we encounter, you know, this the main human character is this bad guy, um, yeah, who the has man with the scorpion uh, tattoo the, on his face. Yeah, with the tattoo, and he's huge hulking guy with a sword um and, and a, lo- a lot of that came too from at the time that the original concept many many years ago came up i was just playing a lot of skyrim too and playing a lot and, and also when you're playing like um legend of zelda or whatever like link will just walk into a house and just start smashing people's pots looking for <laughs> rupees like what who is this like in the real world he would be a monster like this guy is horrible <laughs> uh, and the same thing with like Skyrim, like walking around, you put a bunch of arrows in these uh, goblins in a cave somewhere and then you go through their pockets and you take whatever they have and you move on your way. Like what happens to the one goblin whose family that was like, how does he cope and how does he see see the world and how much of what people talk about goblins is propaganda put out by um humans that want to justify the fact that now they're they're building a town where there used to be a, a goblin village yeah and and it, of course you know took me back to some D, which then i understand you learned from a, a little bit of D on, yeah, on during yeah. this this was this is weird like i have a, a weird backstory with this because it's very much inspired by dungeons and dragons though i never played dungeons and dragons um not, not until recently uh, the only one time that I played Dungeons and Dragons was when my dad took me to some woman he was having an affair with. Her <laughs> husband and like two of his army friends were playing D&D and I was like 10 years old and they're like, you can play. And they named me Herpes. Real <laughs> great bunch of guys. It's a weird situation when you think about because it, it's like <laughs> my dad's going to this woman's house where something's going on with them. They leave and then leave me with their, whatever. That's There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot in my backstory to unpack that for later days. But like, so that was the only time I had played. But I always loved the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And I was obsessed with the cartoon from the 80s. It was like my favorite oh, thing yes. in the world. And I devoured those endless quest Dungeons and Dragons books that most of them, the good ones uh, that I remember were written by Rose Estes. And she like saw, if you remember Choose Your Own Adventure, Yes. The exact same concept. So Choose Your Own Adventure was was around and it was huge. And she was working for TSR who makes Dungeons and Dragons. And she went to them, was like, we should do this. Is this like a good idea? And they were like, nah, whatever. And from what I've read, she just kept asking. And they were like, you know what? You do it. And she <laughs> went and they were he- they're massive hits. She wrote like at least the first uh, six or ten or whatever. Um, but I love those books. So there's actually... In Goblin, there's there's an homage at one point to something that happens in Return to Brookmere. Um, but yeah, that so like that idea of Dungeons and Dragons fed directly into Goblin. And by the time we were like thinking, okay, well, how do we promote this thing? For Gregory Suicide, I was like, oh, let's do like a comic on Instagram. We'll just do this extra new comic, which we did, but it didn't do it didn't do much. So I was like, I don't want to do that again. So then I was like, oh. 
what if I wrote like a, a Dungeons and Dragons game, like a one shot that will use those rules. So I don't have to worry about creating those rules, but I'll create like a campaign, a very, you know, quick thing you can do in a night or two nights and I'll do it. And so I, I was like, I'm going to do it. And it was so hard because, <laughs> you know, I'm coming from a very, you know, from like a narrative, like, you know, this, you go from point A to point B and I'm in complete control over everything to having to write something where you have these variables of players that are not going to do what you want them to do. Um, the game itself is very complicated for anyone that's never played, but I'm lucky that I've known Paige Connolly for years, who we mentioned Claire, it's, that's her sister. So I knew she knew the game really well. So I was like, Paige, can you help me out if I write this game? And will you tell me if it's broken or if it sucks or whatever? And she was completely awesome. She's a fantastic artist too. I would I would recommend um, looking at her work. Uh, her and her and Claire are both really good artists, and they have totally different styles. Right. Um, and uh, but anyway, she she was amazing. So yeah, we 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 did it. We had people play test it. Will did artwork for it as well as helping me play test it. And it's f- available right now for free. So if you play any kind of Dungeons and Dragons tabletop game you can go to realmofgoblin.com and download it and check it out yeah which sounds like a a fun thing because it's um you when you get into this adventure and if you have the reading experience like i did where you feel really sucked in and connected and like you want more then it's like hey yeah you can have you know you can have more and in this other way that's immersive yeah, and the, the world is full of things. Like one of the things that I like to do is is when I'm writing, I'll think of a whole bunch of things that a character has been through or some thing that happened, some big event. And even though that may never, ever get into the book or the story, it helps me to understand that the world is real, even though it's not real. But so I had all that stuff to sort of feed into the game. And one thing that Will likes to do too, which I think is why we work so well together, is when he'll when he's drawing something for himself, he'll always put like a little bit of a something in the distance or he'll know that there's a tribe of dinosaurs there or whatever. <laughs> so we're always sort of planting these seeds in this world that this whole thing can really grow into something much, much larger than it is. And I think the game is the beginning of that. Um but I hope to to you know visit this thing many times over through other books as long as people you know buy it and it and it it finds an audience or more games or whatever it, it's a ton of fun and this game itself is really built it takes place before the events of the graphic novel you do not need to play the game to read the graphic novel and you, honestly you could play the game and never read the graphic novel although I hope you do both. But if you do play the game, you'll see things and you'll make choices in the game that you will see the results of in the book. So ideally, you would play the game before you did the book. Um, but you can, I'm sure you could do it in, in either order if you had to. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, heck, I've done that with like TV shows and movies where I'm like, yeah. you know, they only have like season three on demand or something like that. I'm like, all right, well, let's watch it. Right, right. <laughs> you know? jump right in. Um, but the, yeah, so the, the forest, this is why I feel like I was so relating to just, you know, like I just dropped into it so easily. Um, 
because of the adventures Gus and I take. Mm -hmm. And we'll find these really cool trees. Uh, and I like to just take pictures of them. And then I come up with the stories of, well, the, you know, there are certain portals. You can tell like which shapes are portals to the underworld and they naturally disintegrate. And then the, the creatures have to like make new portals. Um, so we find them in other places and certain trees just lend themselves to cool stuff. Like they just naturally look like little fairy houses and they're covered in moss. Um, and then we have like our formal fairy garden, which is, you know, like totally mm -hmm. different because it's, you know, it's got the human elements to it. But I just love finding these, you know, trees that have fallen over and moss growing and rocks in just the right place. And, you know, I take tons of pictures of this stuff and, you know, and Gus is just kind of like hunting and looking for critters right. and th things that move. So. Um, when your character Rick has to, his quest is you have to go find, uh, the, the goddess and then she sends him on a quest to find the first tree, this big, huge, magnificent tree, which I've, I've never seen a tree like that, but I've seen pictures of the redwoods and mm -hmm. I'm just in awe that trees are like that. Um, it's like I know they're here on this planet, and I've never <laughs> seen them. Uh, so it just, it, and then the goddess herself—it's like you didn't even. And this, you know, credit to Will, of course. I don't, I don't know how much you had to discuss with him. Like, like most people by now know, like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, they know Groot and like Baby Groot and Grown Up Groot. Um, so you've got this this tree woman goddess, but but without making her look like, oh, she's a human with big boobs and yeah. just, you know, like poison ivy, like slapped it, yeah, on that, her. That, that was very important to Will, especially um, making sure she didn't look like poison ivy. Not that there's anything wrong with poison ivy. No, but it's all. different. But yes, but that was like, you know, and specifically he was like, I, you know, I don't want this to end up looking like just a human. Um you know, it had to be something otherworldly. And that was 100% where it needed to be. And we, we we went back and forth with her a lot. I think she was the hardest character to get down. Uh, but once we did, we knew that was it. Yeah, I because there are these details in her. Like, first, there's, like, her face. So you can see expressions. And even though it's all like tree branches and roots and stuff. But then the part that I always focused on was this underneath the rib cage area and this diaphragm area is this glowing heart, this glowing mm -hmm. soul that, um, you know, just through different traditions through like um, Tai Chi and martial arts and all kinds of stuff. Like there's like that, that's like where Bruce Lee would like, you know, punch you and knock you, like kill you with one inch or whatever, the one inch yep. punch. Um, but so it's like that part of the human body is, is this sensitive part. It's soft. It's where the diaphragm is, it's where you need to breathe for life. And yet here hers is like, it's open, it's exposed, but there's this glowing in it. Yeah. And I thought I thought that was really cool. I'm like, she doesn't need to be afraid 
of this part of her being exposed. Yep. It's like there to share. Yeah, and I think there's something to sort of the womb and 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 life and creation and all of that kind of stuff built into built into her. Yeah, he Will and I um are a lot alike and also different in a lot of ways. Like where I was saying I'm always sort of coming up with oh backstories or this this means that. He's always when he's drawing has to have some kind of internal logic for himself that feed into all of this stuff. So when you get to some of the character designs, like later there's a race of amphibian, like frog, like creatures called the Dofta. And they have like uh, insects or birds that, that land on them. And like, he has a whole ecosystem in his head about how there's this symbiotic relationship between the birds of the, Mm -hmm. of that area and the, the amphibians. So he's always sort of working, uh, that stuff through. And I feel like he's much more sort of a a realistic or like something has to work in the real world for him to, to find his way. Whereas I tend to be more intuitive and it just, if it feels right, that's the direction that I go. And I think the two of us together find something really unique in that way. Yeah. And I knew, I mean, the, as soon as I saw the frog people, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, the frog people. I know Will's frog people. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know if I'm doing something and Will's involved, he's got to have a frog person. Like we, <laughs> the first time we worked together was Planet Gigantic and it was a backup story. And of course I was like, Will, frog runner, we're doing a frog person. So yeah, yeah. If, I'm, if I'm the tree person, then he is the frog person, I guess. Yeah, it's and it's just wonderful. It's like your elemental personalities right. and um and it comes out. How how much since you said that that this had to be done so far in advance? How much of this was done during the pandemic? We've had a year I'm of, trying to remember when we when it was finally finished. It was all through the pandemic, right? So it was uh maybe last October. October or November or something we finished. I can't, I honestly can't remember. I don't even remember like what days are mean anymore or like, yeah, no, I have no idea, but I think we've definitely finished it last year and we worked through the pandemic on it as well. I believe. Right. Or maybe we didn't, maybe it was the year before. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. That's kind of weird. I think maybe it's even older than that. Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody I knows. Just go through my uh, emails and see when the hell did we finish this? I'm shocked book. by that when I go through emails and I'm like trying to do the math. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't work. I'm like, math is wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just wrong. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we lost a whole year basically. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was. It's nuts. I mean, it's crazy to think about. Um, all that time. And for me, like, I feel like I didn't really get, I mean, we put this book together. So whether or not I was actually putting this book together, but I feel like I got nothing creative done. I feel like when I look, I'm like, oh, what stuff did I really put out? It's like, not really anything. Um, And it's tough because like, for me, I have very little time. So it's like, I have a very small window to do anything. And I usually do one thing. So if I end up getting hired to letter someone's book, it's like, I guess that's what I'm doing with my mornings instead of working on my own thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's tough. It's tough because like, as time goes by, the window of 
opportunity to make things become smaller. And that's for me directly linked to my mental well-being. So it's like, hopefully, you know, the solution is we just sell a lot of copies of Goblin and then I can just do that instead of uh, doing all the other stuff. Yeah. Yes. That's the plan. (laughs) That's the plan. (laughs) And you look for a shooting star. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just go into the, wander into the woods. You find a uh, a tree and you walk into it. Yeah. And you get to the real world. Yeah. You know. Like Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yep. The different different portals to the yep. different. <laughs> I totally agree. But now, um, I as if I recall, you gave credit to your daughter, right, for drawing the oh, map. So the map, yeah. So there's like a I'm a big fan of maps, um, and so like in the mark, there's a map in the beginning, on the the end pages, and so I needed to have a map, like whether it was like reading the hobbit or lord of the rings for the yes. first time and you see like those maps and you're like oh the, a, yeah they're beautiful a bigger world then i'm only seeing a, a portion of this bigger thing right so i knew i wanted to do that and uh i i hired i she's a great artist my daughter and so i was like oh i'll i'll hire you to to do this map and so she did it so that that appears and it's not the, her first time she also did something I think she did something in Gregory's Suicide. So I usually try to include something of hers in something I'm doing. But yeah, no, she was great. And it came out exactly the way I wanted it to. It looks how, like something. How old is she? She's, oh my God, she's going to go, she's going to be 16, uh, which is nuts to think about because yeah. I don't know how that happened. But yeah. I know. It's like overnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's almost a grown up. I'm I sorry. Know. I know. Um, yeah, I thought that was amazing. I'm like, wait a minute, Ava. I'm like, he said his daughter's name was Ava. How did she do this? Yep. No, she did that. She was great. So it's it's exactly what I wanted. Oh, that's so sweet. She's not like, Dad, no, you're a dork. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that <laughs> happens anyway. But it's like, here's money. Uh you can you can do this and then do buy some K pop thing or whatever. <laughs> Um, so, okay. It's Goblin. We don't need to go through any kind of Kickstarter. It's just. No, no, it's a regular book. It's a real, it's a, it's a real movie, Jack. Yeah. So it's, um, it's available now. Like if you go to Realm of Goblin, you can pre-order it. And I hope people do. Uh, you can get it on the big boxes, big box stores on June 8th. So there's links for Amazon and Target. And hey, if you get that 5% uh, cash back from Target on your Target card, you can get it there. Walmart, um, uh, all of all of the links, yeah, right? Okay. All of the links, Barnes nice. Noble, all of the links. And then if you're going to get it in a comic store, because the way comic stores are structured, it's too late because you didn't pre-order it because that window closed, right? So yeah. it's May 26th, but hopefully your shop ordered copies because of course they did. Of course, they ordered copies. So that's May 26th in comic stores. And then it's June 8th everywhere else. Okay. Um, So that takes care of Goblin. But now I want to hear about what, if you've had time, what are you consuming and enjoying? What am I consuming? Or are you just like finally just going off to the woods? I'm not going to tell you that I watched season two of the circle because that would be uh <laughs> terribly embarrassing of course i'm not going to say that uh no the thing that i and that is true and I, I have no no shame or uh regrets 
the I'm I just started Sasquatch, which I think is on Hulu. I think, uh, but it is about a murder that took place in 1993 in Oregon at a pot farm that the apparently Sasquatches did where a Sasquatch has murders these people. And it's a writer who, who had worked at that farm. And then years later, now he's trying to uncover like what it is, but it's really good. It's really fascinating. And I'm fascinated by the pot growers that were doing business in the United States in the Northwest, particularly because there's just one area where the, the, the environment is perfect for growing pot. Uh, so there's a lot of money there, but then it's also like the war on uh, drugs is is in full swing. So the the I forget the name of the group of the United States, it's some dumb military sounding name of what it was like a crackdown on cannabis. So like there's lots of violence. It's almost like the Wild West because you're in the middle of these huge forests. There's not a lot of oversight. The crop is worth a lot of money. And it's sort of like a free-for-all. So it started with all these hippies, like people that went there to live off the land. And then slowly as like, you know, all these drug raids are happening with the government and people start stealing from each other, they start arming themselves with like AR-15. So like there's this whole weird thing happening with hippies and and firearms and everything. And so that's sort of, seems like the story is more about that than the Sasquatch, but you do get some Sasquatch stuff. I'm only two episodes in and I really, really like it. And the other thing I just watched the first episode of, which was the Kate Winslet show, The Mayor of Something, which I liked the first episode a lot. So that's okay. what I've been what I've been watching. What about you? Um well I don't know if it's coming back, but like there was a new show called Mr. Mayor with Ted Danson and and Holly Hunter who is like bizarrely nothing like any of her other previous characters I mean she's versatile to begin with but next to she'll stand next to him and she looks like she's about three feet tall and he (laughs) looks like he's eight feet tall and like and they're just at odds with each other it's really a a weird uh like diverse cast and a yeah. very weird weird show that he's like the mayor in like beverly hills or someplace in la la land and um y- you know and it's just like he has no concept of how things like really work um but uh other otherwise is there anything new i've just I, i'm doing a lot of repeat viewing um yeah, that I find I do that a lot. Like I watch, I'll watch The Sopranos every yeah. year for like it's embarrassing to say how many times I've watched that. Or like I'll watch Twin Peaks over and over. There's certain like because mm-hmm. I'll do it at work because I work, you know, like anyone else. Um, so I'll have like something I've seen before playing uh, that I can sort of just sort of listen to, or every once in a while look. And there's like a comfort in that. You know, you're not going to yeah. miss anything because you've already seen it. And it's something there's characters that you want to spend more time with. Yeah. So oh, I but there are them. there are two animated things that you might dig. Um, I've been watching uh, Bless the Hearts okay. and, and The Great North. Oh, so, yeah. What's that? What's The Great so North? The Great North is set in Alaska. And speaking of Ron Swanson, it's uh, the, the voice of Nick Offerman as the dad. So... 
Um, it's a family that lives like, you know, middle of nowhere called like Lone Moose, Alaska, just like dead horse. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. look at <laughs> that. Hey, hey look maybe at that. They a, maybe they're a fans. Yeah. And, um, and so like they, it's a very Bob's burgery kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like it's all about family, but about like the weird people of the town too. Like there's the one episode where there's always a cake lady, like every time they need a cake, like the mysterious cake lady and nobody knows who it is, um, makes cake. Uh, so it's just like very weird shit like that, but like they, but they do get into some real issues. Like the, the youngest girl has like no friends. So she's, um, so her imaginary best friend is Alanis Morissette. So she <laughs> she climbs out to her roof every night to talk to Alanis Morissette, who That's really awesome. and it's actually really, Alanis Morissette. Right? It actually is yeah. her, yes, and That's she great. actually voices it. It's wild, and for some reason, the smallest child wears like a teddy bear onesie everywhere, uh-huh. like no matter how old he is. Um, so it's you know, so it's just like all sorts of weird weird stuff but that sounds great it reminds me a little bit of like um gravity falls have you ever seen that i haven't seen oh, that oh it's so good yeah. like it's, it's been out i mean I, I it's it's i don't think they make them anymore but my son started watching it and so i started watching it with him it's a ama- it's awesome like if you like that pacific northwest weird very yes. twin peaks uh inspired uh cartoon it's it's great and and they have like the guy that that created the show also wrote a choose your own adventure book with the same character. So I got uh, my son that yeah for him, but also I'm like, let me read it to you again because <laughs> I love it. But it has like all these like the thing I always liked about like Twin Peaks was how great the show was. But then there was all these like elements from the show in real life. Like if you if you've never seen the show before, there was Laura Palmer had a diary, and then you could go buy the diary and now you were holding the diary and this is a, cool. a similar uh hook where there's like this book that the character has and you can actually buy the book and my son has the book so it's just very cool to 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 go into those kind of worlds but it, it this the show you're talking about the great north i'm going to check out but you should also check out gravity falls because i think yeah it's within I'll a similar similar I'll feel see- I'll have to see if it's on any like we pay for all this like streaming stuff now so it's got to be somewhere yeah well, is the Great North? You said you watched it where? Um, it's on, I think, Fox. I watch it on Hulu. Okay, yeah, I have Hulu, so I'll check it out. And if you have Disney Plus, I know Gravity yes. Falls is on that. Oh, okay, I do have that. Um, yeah, and yeah, so Bless the Hearts is adorable. It's Southern, though. It's uh the exact opposite. It's out in like it's supposed to be like North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, again, with amazing voice actors. Um, and just like typical weird shit of Mm -hmm. like, uh, the black Friday episodes are to me the funniest because like they go to the Megalomar and they stand in line and, you know, they, you know, lose the baby and, and, and then they got to find the baby. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's all about like the family and the weirdness of the, the people that are around, but, um, if you yeah if you like uh it who let's see is Kristen Kristen Wiig um Maya Rudolph oh cool yeah, yeah I'm gonna look it up now yeah 
uh, yeah. So it's just like really funny and like working in a diner and like how shitty, you know, the work is right. in the diner. Um, in, in ultra conservative Bible Belt area. Uh huh. No, it's cool. It looks, it looks good. I'm looking at them now. So I guess it came out a couple years ago, but it's still out. Like yes. They're still doing new episodes. Yeah. They, they have really short seasons. Um, they, you know, short for American standards, still longer than a British season. Yeah. I want everything should be British seasons. I want six episodes <laughs> and then I can not have anxiety about whatever it is I'm watching. Like, my my older girls and I watch Riverdale, which I actually really like Riverdale. Also, no regrets. I think it's a fantastic show. But like you get to season two, it's like 24 episodes. Like who yeah. has time for that? <laughs> now I got to like be sweating that I'm only on episode 13 and there's this many to go. And where's my time going to go? And yeah, I, I love the six six episode season that they do overseas. That's the way everything should be. Yeah, so these these newer cartoons are like nine episodes or something. Yeah, I can thirteen. I'm like okay. Yeah, I can, I can, I can hang with you. You don't go over thirteen. It's it's long, and then it's and that's the thing is when we were watching stuff weekly, it did feel like a really long time. So like, oh, this one broke up, and they're mad at each other, and then it seems like forever until they get back together. Yeah. Um, but then when you like just binge them, it's like, oh, that wasn't so long. <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, Eric. Well, um, anything else that no, you I want just hope people? yeah, I hope people uh give the um the book a chance. Like it's it's a middle grade level book, but it's really any ten and over, I think is totally fine. I think an adult would have a totally fine time reading it, but it is appropriate if you have someone uh that you know a a younger person that likes also to get lost in the forest i would hand them this and pack them a lunch and then give them like a gps thing because you don't want them actually to get lost in the forest and let (laughs) them wander around uh you know and give it and give the book a chance you can go to realmofgoblin.com and from there we mentioned that dungeons and dragons game that's now available you can download that for free if you like that kind of thing and if you do you know, let me know about it. If you tag it dark sisterhood, I was going to send somebody or whoever sends, whoever tags it, that like some stickers that I got to print up. Um, but yeah, that's it. I hope you, uh, yeah, go to the site. You can actually watch a trailer. You can watch a trailer on the site. You can get a feel for the, for the book and see Will's artwork, which is wonderful. Yeah, it really, it's truly beautiful art. And he did the coloring you said, he did, yeah. He did. I we're a two person team, so I do the writing and the lettering, and usually the the book design and all that kind of stuff. And Will does all of the pencils and the inks and the colors. Okay, yeah. I mean, just such a beautiful job. I loved it. Well, um, thank you. So, where can people follow you? Yeah. So, oh, you can follow me on on Twitter at egrissom. Uh, and if I get to a thousand followers, my thousand follower goal, uh, so I can get the nice fancy jacket and they could <laughs> let me into the cool, uh, cool table. Uh, no, but if I get to a thousand followers, I am randomly picking a follower to mail a physical copy of the book too. So if you're not following, Hey, I said this before on, um, on my own podcast, if you want to uh, set up a burner account, I don't care. Just get them numbers up so I can have some <laughs> fake uh, nonsense metric that will turn my self-hatred around for five minutes. Go, things are finally working out. Look at this. Um, yeah, so if I get that, 
if I get to a thousand, follow me, Egrissom. I'm also Egrissom on Instagram, and I'm not on Facebook. So those are the two you have two options. Okay. Or my yeah. newsletter, ericgrissom.com. I write uh, uh, almost uh, too personal newsletter where I tell you exactly <laughs> what I'm going through. Uh, that if you go to egrissom.com and you get a free copy of the Gregory suicide prequel and you get some dead horse issues and those are free. And then you sign up and you can hear what, uh, me sort of wallow in depression once, (laughs) once a week, every Friday. So, yeah. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. And like you said, sock puppets, uh, welcome. Get those Russian, sexy Russian bots with the, give me your bots. Give me your sexy (laughs) Russian bots, please. (laughs) (laughs) Or not sexy Russian. The not sexy Russian bots need the most attention. So I'll take some of those. Just no uh, evil trolls. I don't want any uh, none right, of those right wingers coming. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, thank you and, so much. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, and Will, I, Will is what Dill Perkins. <laughs> yeah, he's so it's hard for him. So he's Will Perkins Comics. Yeah, Will Perkins Comics on Instagram, and that's re- usually I think his preferred social platform yeah. of choice because he. Post some great artwork there, and Dill Gherkins on Dil Twitter. Gherkins. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's explained to me what that means, but I can't even remember. It's just fun. Yeah. It's just fun to say. Um, <laughs> and so, thank you to to you and to your your team for putting out such great product. Oh, thank you. And um, you guys, again, you can go to patreon.com slash amber unmasked to help support my work. And keep the cat stories uh, coming because I just invested in a new camera to help with the cat stories. And um, yeah, Instagram is Amber Unmasked, which is mostly cats. And Twitter, uh, I've been backing off a bit on Twitter just because I've been doing other stuff with my time. But it's Elizabeth Amber at Twitter. Um, Usually some political uh, nonsense that I have to vent about there. but I'm happy to retweet other people's work as well. I've just I've been spending time on Duolingo doing the the Spanish and French lessons. Oh, cool! So I've been doing that instead of Twitter. <laughs> I would love to learn French. That has always been one of my life goals. One day oh. I'm terrible at languages, so that's why it's not let, for a lack of trying. It just oh, uh, yeah, I love I love French. So, um, so that's, that's it for me and for Eric. So thanks for listening. Yeah. And thank you.